someone once told me time is a flat circle. If everything we've ever done or will do, we're gonna do over and over and over again. Kelly. And I'm Michael. We're brother and sister, self-proclaimed armchair detectives, getting ready for the upcoming NFL season, which starts September 9th. Yes, football! And we're also your hosts for the Flat Circle Podcast. This week, we will discuss a lonely, troubled Florida teen who throws a house party that started in murder. Join us as we discuss one killer house party. Tyler Hadley was a quiet, lonely kid from Port St. Lucie, Florida. He had a small circle of friends that included his best friend, Michael Mandel. They all attended Port St. Lucie High School. When Tyler turned 15, things started to change. Michael Mandel, Tyler's best friend, noticed a change in him almost right away. He began to skip school, and he made friends with a darker crowd of kids at the high school. He also started to experiment with drugs. Tyler was circling the drain fast. Friends and family were worried, of course, but especially his parents, Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. The Hadleys were a happy family. Tyler was very close to his parents as a child, and that's why when he took a dark turn at the age of 15, they were so surprised and worried greatly about their son. In fact, it took them some time to accept that Tyler had changed. When a neighbor reported to Mary Jo that they had found Tyler smoking, Mary Jo promptly said, My son doesn't smoke. In April of 2011, Tyler was arrested for aggravated assault after getting into a fight at a friend's house. This charge was in addition to a previous charge of burglary. And at this point, Tyler now has about two counts against him and a juvenile record. His parents were furious and decided to lay down the law. They took away his phone and put him on house arrest for two weeks. Tyler's downward spiral into darkness continued. A month before the house party that ended all house parties, Mary Jo took Tyler to a mental institution. You see, Tyler's behavior had become increasingly erratic. One night, he came home hammered and urinated on his friend's bed. While his parents weren't concerned for their own safety, they were concerned for his safety. At that time, Mary Jo was quoted as saying that she was afraid he was going to kill himself. On the week of July 11, 2001, Tyler started to tell everyone at school that he was having a party at his house and that his parents were going to be out of town. Some laughed at him, others ignored him, and all the people he told thought he was lying. Five days later, on Saturday, Tyler sent a text to his friend Antonio, telling him that he was trying to have a party and would Antonio help spread the message. They had a conversation later on that morning around 11.30 a.m. by Facebook Messenger. And basically, Antonio and Tyler touched base and Tyler told Antonio that they were having a party. And when Antonio asked if his parents were going to be home that evening, Tyler said no, and they will be leaving soon. Around 1.15 p.m., Tyler posted the following message on his Facebook wall. Having a party tonight? Maybe. Around 5 p.m. that same evening, he took a few ecstasy pills and then put his sordid plan to have a party in action. Once the ecstasy kicked in, he decided to kill his mother first. She was working on the computer when Tyler snuck up behind her with a hammer and began to beat her to death. 
Mary Jo's screams of terror and pain echoed throughout the house. Immediately, her husband, Tyler's father, Blake, ran into the room to see what Tyler had done. And there on the floor, he saw his wife, Mary Jo, beaten, bloody, dead. Tyler and Blake struggled for control over the hammer, but Tyler's adrenaline had gone into overload. He was able to easily overpower his father. So, just as Tyler had beaten his mother to death, Tyler's father met the same fate. When Tyler's murder rage was over, he looked around and saw the mess he made. The ecstasy had taken over his mind and his body as he gingerly reached out to touch the blood spatter on the wall to feel the moment, to feel what he did. And in that moment, he was fascinated and not frightened by what he had done. He felt justified in his anger, his rage, and his actions. He quickly cleaned the room from any visible evidence of the homicide that had taken place, but missed a giant reddish-brown spot over his parents' computer. He dragged their bodies into the master bedroom, where he then covered them up with clothes, furniture, broken glass, bloody towels, and anything else that was left in the wake of their struggle. He looked at himself in the mirror when he was done, and like the devil, laughed at the sight of his disheveled and haunted appearance. Tyler then prepared to have a party. Friends, acquaintances, fellow students, and even some older kids who had already graduated from Port St. Lucie High started to show up at 11.30 p.m. This would be about six hours after the horrible deaths of Blake and Mary Jo Hadley. According to some of the people who attended the party, Tyler was anxious and on the edge. He began to pace about the house, hypervigilant of any messes. He was telling people to be careful not to smoke in the house because it was his parents' home. Someone at the party jokingly mentioned that the house smelled like dead people. Tyler wasn't amused and kept the secret all to himself. The spot where the murder took place was left open to the partygoers. Though some noticed the odd reddish-brown stain around the computer, others didn't. Tyler noticed it, though, and his anxiety was sent through the roof. Still, teenagers continued to get drunk, get high, and play games, like beer pong. Tyler then proceeded to walk around the party that night, telling everybody that he needed to have fun because this was going to be his last night of freedom. He told his friends and partygoers alike that he did something bad and would be going away for 60 years, more than likely. It was around midnight when the house started to smell oddly sweaty. Now, it's worth a mention here that the Hadley's house during this time had more than 100 kids, most of them teenagers, partying the night away. The sweaty smell started to permeate the parties. Some kids mentioned it and others left because they couldn't stand the smell. But Tyler Hadley had told one person the truth of what happened earlier in that day. His best friend... Michael Mandel. Michael didn't believe him at first. Then Tyler showed him the proof. He walked him into the garage and in the master bedroom. He said that he bludgeoned his parents to death with a hammer, then took three hours to clean up the mess. He laughed again and how his appearance startled him after he was done with the cleanup. The police were called around 2 a.m. because of a noise complaint launched by one of the neighbors. As people left, Tyler told them that he would be having another house party the next night. Everyone left with the exception of Michael Mandel. He and Tyler hung out for a while and they even took a selfie or two. At 4.40 a.m. on Sunday, July 12th, 2011, Tyler posted on his Facebook wall, party at my house again, hit me up. While Tyler was planning his next party, his best friend, Michael Mandel, called Crime Stoppers to turn Tyler in for the murder of his parents, Mary Jo and Blake Hadley. 
The police showed up at the Hadley residence around 4.32 a.m. They parked directly across the street from the home and they kind of started to watch Tyler a bit. They saw that he had this disturbing look on his face and that he paced back and forth anxiously. And that's when they decided to make a move. The police rang the doorbell. At first, Tyler didn't answer right away, so the police kept ringing the bell and knocking to provoke him to come to the door. After a while, Tyler finally answered. Immediately, the police put Tyler in handcuffs and dragged him away from his house. As the other officers went into the home, Tyler screamed for them not to go in there. In 2014, Tyler Hadley was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Since he was only 17 at the time, they could not sentence him to death. However, in 2018, Tyler was resentenced to life in prison, but this time with the potential of parole. Well, uh, that was fucked up. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Beyond messed up. Um, so this original case, this case, actually, um, you kind of brought me onto this case. And I think the more I started looking into it, I think one of the first people to actually write about it was the Rolling Stone, right? Yeah. Rolling Stone magazine picked it yeah. up. Because it was just so sort of fascinating that parents would get murdered over having a party. Yeah, this is something, this is one of those great, uh, you hear about, remember the movie Scream, and you hear about these great legends, you know, of things that may or may not have happened. You know, you hear about the murders of of teens, or you hear about the the crazy things that happen in towns. And this is something that wasn't national. Wasn't nationwide, really, until Rolling Stone picked it up. And I got to tell you, it blew up like gangbusters. I mean, it was everybody was talking about this this party and saying it was the killer party because it was kind of the the, the last party, right? The end all be all his last party ever. And the fact that he killed his parents is just uh, I mean, that's one of the worst things you can do. Right. So I just makes you wonder what really, you know, obviously he had to have something kind of messed up in him. But the other side of things, it's like, what what conversation went on between his parents before he finally just went and snapped? What was the thing that sent him over the edge or was well, he planning it? Actually, the thing that sent him over the edge was when they grounded him for two weeks um, and they took away his cell phone <laughs> and he texted a friend of his, a, a girlfriend, a female friend of his and said, I... I think I'm going to kill my parents or something like that. And, you know, his girlfriend was thinking that he was being facetious, you know, that he was just like joking around. And she's like, oh, no, no jail time. And he's just like, LOL. But he said something to the effect of like, yeah, but worth it, you know. And so it seemed like he had actually been um, been looking at killing his parents for three weeks. So that was like a revenge kind of thing. I've heard of kids killing their parents before and it's always just really sad and really shocking and did you see um did you see the pictures to this crime scene i did it was insane um he literally like like we had mentioned in earlier in the show he literally threw everything on top of the bodies literally like anything he could find to block the bodies in case someone had gotten into the room but obviously that didn't block the smell Right. And it's and it's almost like it looks like when I'm looking at one of the pictures right now, it almost looks like a car crashed inside the house. There's literally everything everywhere. Obviously, this kid had to have been fucked up in the head. But the fact that he was just going to party on is just I mean, he was 17 years old. So it just shows you the immaturity, of course, and the selfishness. But boy, I mean, 
I mean, there's not a lot to say other than don't fucking kill your parents just because you don't get your way. <laughs> well, I mean, no kidding. Well, and I, I also wonder, like, what was the switch that went through his head? Because they said that he was actually that the Hadleys were a really happy family. And Tyler was really close to both his mom and his dad. And then when he was 15, it almost seemed like there was this, like, I don't know if it was like a puberty switch or if he was like, I'm tired of being the good kid or whatever that was. But it almost seemed like something switched in his head. And then he just decides, hey, I'm going to start skipping school. You know, I'm going to start doing all these things, you know, that I shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And some of his defense was the drug was ecstasy, which is wild. I, I think a lot of people in these cases where it's clear that they did it, they're always going to say drugs or alcohol made them do it. But mm -hmm. in a lot of the state's eyes and every state's eyes, they don't see that as being an, an excuse whatsoever. No. If you killed if you killed anybody under substance, if you're, you know, have in, under any kind of substance or or um or beverage, uh, you're still going to go away. So, well, and it's like, what was he hoping for the outcome? Did he just want to have one bitch in house party and like it was worth all of this <laughs> strife yeah. in his life? Um, you know, and and I know I read somewhere that he said something. Okay, so he he was writing to his grandparents in in prison, and you know, right. obviously he's got time to think, right? And he's yeah. just saying like, I was just living my life as a normal seventeen year old kid, and the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of St. Lucie County Jail. You know, he he's recognizing that he's ruined a lot of people's lives. He can't seem to forgive himself. You know, he's praying to God like, please don't send me to hell. And then it looks sounds like they have a Catholic priest because Father Michael tells him, oh, just confess my sins and repent you know and then god will forgive him for everything and and so he's like having a whole hard time now probably being in his right mind hormones are probably balancing out now and he's he's growing up he's maturing and he's probably like really thinking why did i do that <laughs> you know what was my I, I don't know but it sounds like he's also had a lot of mental issues too so I mean, that's the thing that you and I keep saying, I mean, or that I keep bringing up is this kid was just fucked in the head from the start. So I'm pretty sure if you look back in this kid's history, he probably was one of those kids that were on Ritalin or his parents probably shoved him with total a bunch of antidepressants at a young age. And that's yep. the thing, too. I mean, this kind of goes off what we're talking about or a little bit kind of off uh, kind of a hard write off what we're talking about. But that's why it's really Parents should really reconsider medicating their kids at such a young age, because when you do put them full of drugs, I mean, you there are repercussions and the brain is a very mysterious thing and it can act different. So sometimes medication doesn't fix everything and it does help, obviously, but sometimes it doesn't help. And it seems like this kid had a little bit more problems than whatever he was going through. So, I mean, he, he had some very psychotic problems. So, boy, it, it seems, you know, his parents obviously got it just i mean it's just unbelievable now i couldn't find anywhere now he was the only sibling right he was the only kid so he had an older brother named ryan and ryan um just went to had moved to college two weeks prior to the murder um he was in college in north carolina so he did have an older brother that's wild man uh, i can't imagine what his older brother went through when he heard this and, and tyler is going to go the way for the rest of his life i mean sad Sadly, for killing his parents, and it's something hopefully he'll think about every single day. And I imagine when for people like this, I mean, he's 17, right? His mind is, hasn't exactly developed into that adulthood yet. So yeah. hopefully there is some remorse there. And hopefully he does find his calling in prison that will, you know, whether it would be religion or guilt, even if it's something where he's 
constantly trying to show that his family that he's very sad. He was very, uh, he's very apologetic for what happened. So. Yeah, I agree. And the mental health in this country, you know, it's an issue. And I think it's one that we really need to look at more effectively. And like you said, there's got to be something out there. And I'm not against taking medication at all, by the way. But there's got to be other things out there like counseling and talk therapy. I, for one, believe very much in talk therapy. I think everybody should have a therapist because we all need somebody on the outside to see the things that we can't see, at least in my opinion. So I feel like with, you know, Tyler Hadley, man, you know, his parents did the right thing, right? Because they did send him to the mental institute because they were worried about his mental health. But it's almost like one of those situations where it's like, well, we'll just put you on more medication, which wasn't really solving the problem. It didn't solve the problem, unfortunately. And maybe that was a tipping point for him. You know, we're talking about the grounding. Maybe I've heard horror stories of people coming, going to mental institutions and it does help some people, but other people it doesn't help. And and obviously, Mental institutions aren't like they're portrayed sometimes in films where it's very one flew over the cuckoo's nest or uh, American Horror Story. It's not really like that in, in a lot of cases, but it is traumatizing, I can imagine, for a young kid to go into a mental institution because at that point, I feel like a kid would feel like his parents gave up on him. But and for the parents' defense in putting him in a mental inst- in a mental institution, maybe it was something where they couldn't help him and it was really hard for them to control to figure out what was going through him. So maybe it wasn't as easy as talking through talking to somebody and you know kelly you have you know hormonal teens too and you you understand that there, there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs and and it sometimes it's hard for a parent i'm i'm assuming just to try to understand what your kid is going through and for somebody like tyler hadley he was going through a lot and maybe it was a little bit too much for his parents but at the same time tyler, tyler might have looked at that as his parents betraying him as putting him in a mental institution as them wiping their hands yeah. clean i could i i would feel that i way. could see that i can but, see that i know never actually even considered that because everybody just sort of says that it's the spur of the moment thing. But if you think about it, we didn't really know what was going in his head. I mean, obviously he had some anger and some resentment and perhaps it had been building for a while. Yeah, they were. And I I think, you know, we we mentioned a few weeks he was planning this. I I wouldn't doubt this popped in his head a long time before that even where it's something that he was just going to do it and the ecstasy just helped numb his feelings to where when he did it there was no regret in that moment so rest in peace to his family and uh god i just hope he uh he gets the help in prison that he that he needs i agree so everybody reach out we love hearing from you as always you can hit us up on social media at flat circle podcast this is for facebook and instagram or you can send us an email to flat circle podcast one at gmail.com thank you for listening we are so grateful for you all if this is your first time listening welcome and we hope that you join us for future episodes until next time stay kind stay curious and always question the world around you Party on.